Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. To, to be up here tonight and to just bring the word of God for tonight. And we're going to speak a bit about prayer tonight. And it's so, actually so wonderful that what Cole said, also when we spoke about just after he preached the first time as well, or not, not the first time, but also had a, a very wonderful prayer. And Cole's like, yes, Vian, just be careful what you pray about because God will take you through that in the week. So I, I, I chose prayer, you know, it's a, it's a great thing to, to go through because then God takes you through this, this prayer life and how he actually wants us to pray and he first sows into your own life before saying out into others' lives. So that it's actually a real blessing to be up here tonight and to, to preach a bit on prayer tonight. But before I do so, let me pray for us first. Yes, Father, thank you that we can come before you tonight, Lord, and just come and humble ourselves and lift up your name, Father, knowing that everything we do is because of you, Father, because you knew, Lord, even before you made us, that you would send your Son, Father, and Jesus, you knew that you would have to give it all for us. And the only appropriate response that we can have is to give it all back to you lord and say that we love you father and truly your presence is like heaven to us and thank you holy spirit that you are here busy working in every heart we celebrate you and we just want to live lives that welcome you we don't want to grieve you and say you are so welcome lord knowing that we can only understand spiritual things by you holy spirit that reveals it to us as we see in the scriptures lord and thank you that you are the one that makes us come alive and reveals jesus to us and we come and bring this night before you and say, may every word that is, that is brought, Lord, be, be joyous unto you, Father, and so seeds, Father, and thank you that you are faithful and that you would give the growth in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we will be focusing on tonight is positioning yourself for prayer. As you can see there, I got a, a bit of a picture up there. And uh, it was so funny for me when I, when I uh, looked for a picture to put up. I thought to myself, when I search for the words positioning yourself for prayer, certainly it will be difficult to find like a physical example. Surely they will focus on a heart's position. Surely they will focus on a bit more of a, a spiritual position before God. But no, it was, it was full of things like this. Um, just physical. And as you can see, firstly, do not wear a white shirt when you pray. Or, or, or a short white day because they just removed that girl. She didn't even have to change her stance. <laughs> She was just wrong to start with. And then they went to the other girl with the blue. So if you, if you want to pray with blue shirt, that, that helps. And also a bit longer hair that is more darker. That's why Robin, she, she dyed her hair a bit darker, as you can see, um, for that reason. But it was so funny for me just to joke a bit about it. But we are going to be a bit practical tonight. They say that this part of your hand, it's actually where the divine inter intervention comes from. God speaks through this part of your hand, and then with your thumbs, you press it here. Because this is where God speaks. You know, this is why your thumb is on the side of your hand and not here in front, because there has to be a channel outwards. Um, and obviously, this is for head stuff. If you want to pray hard stuff, then you have to move it to your heart. But then you have to lift up your head. Otherwise, your head's in the way. But when you want to lower your head, it, just now you're going to pray things to your head, to your heart, then you're going to pray it down like this. Um, yeah, and no, I'm just making a joke, guys. It's, it was really funny for me. Um, but just to say on a side note, the body must follow the spirit. You know, we are body, spirit, and soul. And either the spirit affects the soul, which affects the body, or the other way around. So when we are in a spiritual position before God, and I am humble before God, and God, I'm in the presence of God, I'm not going to stand like this in front of God. So in a way... The body must follow. Now, I, I myself, whenever I enter into the presence of God, whether it's before church, when we pray at intercession, or in my quiet time, I do it on my knees, not because that makes me more humble, but it just reminds me that I bow before God. So in a way, the body must follow. And then just before we start specifically with positioning ourselves for prayer, I just want to share a bit on, on spiritual disciplines. Now, for, for those of you who have never heard the word spiritual disciplines, it's just things that we as Christians do. There's certain things that, that, um, that we do. We read the Word of God, we pray, we fast, we worship, we serve evangelism. Evangelism is actually a spiritual discipline. And all of us are called to do all of the spiritual disciplines. There's no 
one thing. The enemy has come and ministered the lie to us that certain people should do certain disciplines. Like, for example, if you're an evangelist, you do not need to know the word of God that, that well. It, it never makes sense to me because you're supposed to spread the word of God. But that is what certain people believe. Or only certain people are called to intercede. There's certain intercessors, but the rest, you don't really have to pray. There's a specific few that pray. You can read the word of God. And for those who, who read the word of God, they don't have to share the word of God because they're doing their part, they're reading the word of God. And in the spiritual disciplines, I so love the song that Carla chose as well for worship, is God's presence is like heaven to us. The reason we pray, the reason we read the word of God, the reason we fast, the reason we worship is to spend time with God. We want to be intimate with Jesus. That's the reason we do these things. And many times we, we see these things as tick boxes. You know, We just have to do these things and then God will be pleased with us. We don't see them as ends, intimacy with Christ, but ends in themselves. You know, we just have to do these things so that God can be pleased with us and that when we go through the day now, God has his favor upon our lives. But the end goal is actually intimacy with Christ. And just to test ourselves to see whether we see spiritual disciplines as ends in themselves or whether we do them to meet Jesus, with what expectation do you do it? If you can gauge in your own life. If you go to read the word of God, when you pray, when you come to church, when you do fellowship with people, is there an expectation on your heart that I want to meet Jesus? I have expectation that I will meet him today. If I pray because it's, I want to hear his voice, when I spend time in the scriptures because I want to know him more, is there that expectation on your heart? I just want to give a minute for us all to just gaze at where we're at at the moment. And take a sip of water. And what happens, guys, is when we see spiritual disciplines as ends in themselves, it's a physical thing. We want to go do it physically, and it's very draining on us because you have to get up early or you have to stay up late to, to read the Word of God or to pray. And it's a very draining thing because we do it physically. And there's no life in it, but the moment we turn our hearts and we do it because we want to meet Christ, the Holy Spirit gets invited into those areas. Because he is God on earth. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The Father is in heaven and the Holy Spirit is here among us. And the moment we make that shift, the Holy Spirit comes into all of the areas and he begins to minister to us. He begins to guide. He begins to lead. And spiritual disciplines, we should actually call it spiritual devotions because we are devoted to him. But we have to grow in discipline as well. And today we're going to focus specifically on prayer while touching on the others here and there. And specifically, two-way communication in prayer. Because we spend a lot of time speaking to God. But prayer does not come that easy. Because in prayer there's a time when God speaks back. You know, we pray into His will. As Mario also said, you know, there has to be times where we wait upon God for God to speak. And we are going to take a look at one of the prayers of David in 2 Samuel 7. You can also find it in 1 Chronicles 17. And we're going to read through that. And then we're going to just subdivide it into sections and take a look at this prayer that David prays to God. 2 Samuel 7 verse 18. Then King David went and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. That Do you deal with everyone this way, O sovereign Lord? What more can I say to you? You know what your servant is really like, sovereign Lord. Because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known to your servant. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is none like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like you? Your people Israel. What other nation, O God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You have made a great name for yourself. When you redeemed your people from Egypt, you performed awesome miracles and drove out nations and gods that stood in their way. You made Israel your very own people forever, and you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. Confirm it as a promise that will last forever, and may your name be honored forever, so that everyone will say, The Lord of heaven's armies is God over Israel, and may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, I have been bold enough to pray this prayer, to you because you have revealed all this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. 
For you are God, O sovereign Lord, your words are truth, and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now, may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you, for you have spoken. And when you grant a blessing to your servant, O sovereign Lord, it is an eternal blessing. What a wonderful prayer. And as we can see in this prayer, there is not only petition from David's side. He only actually petitions for the one thing that God speaks of his life. There's nothing else that he says God must do if he must expect that what God already spoke to his life. And he lifts up the name of God above everything else. And it's actually so wonderful um, to share with a bit of you. My testimony about prayer is actually a while back, a few months. For me, um, certain spiritual discipline, reading the word of God, it comes more naturally than prayer. I can spend weeks and weekends underneath my bed. Okay, my bed is in the air, my desk is below. It just doesn't sound weird. I don't lie under my bed and read the Word. And my desk is under there. And I can spend hours in the Word of God, and it comes naturally to me. But for certain people, prayer comes more naturally. For certain people, worship. And we should focus on those areas. And I remember God saying to me the one morning while I was busy reading the Word, that there's a certain level of intimacy that only comes through prayer. I mean, you can read books about someone, but until you engage in conversation with that, with that person, do you get to know them? Do you get to know them in a deep and intimate level of, of relationship? And as I focused more on prayer, the one morning I was busy praying and just stopped halfway and said, God, how do, you, how do you spend nights and days in prayer? Because you hear these testimonies of people literally spending nights and days in prayer. And I thought, yes, what do you say to God? What, what do you say to God? All of this time, how do you process this time with God alone, spiritually and mentally? I mean, how do you do it? And as I went through the day, a guy shared a clip with me on uh, WhatsApp. And it's about a guy that says how he learned to pray in a little mountain on their farm in Africa. Gerard to a weird um, older guy, but I watched the clip nonetheless. And uh, he says as he got saved as well, they had a little mountain in their farm in Africa. And as he got home the one day, his mother said, there's a guy in your cottage about 50 meters from their farmhouse. And he says, what do you mean? He says, no, it's an African pastor. He says, okay, go to his cottage, meets the guy. Pietros Molipa is the guy's name. And uh, he says, what are we going to do? Are we going to discuss theology because he was a theology student? Are we going to speak about God? And uh, he says, no, we're going to speak to God. And he turns around, gets on his knees, and he starts to pray. And Gerard says, as this guy was praying, he's thinking to himself, is it possible, this level of intimacy with God? Can it be that someone knows God this much? He says he didn't listen long. He also got on his knees and started to pray. He said they prayed an hour and a half that day. And to be honest, it felt like five minutes. And he says it was so under the burden of God, a word that I didn't understand then, but we'll go to, into that in a minute. And he says, as they finished Pietro stood up and he says, there's a little mountain on your farm. We spend days and weeks in prayer and fasting. He says, what do you mean? He says, sometimes we go 40 days. Sometimes we go 20 days. Sometimes we go 7 days. He says, what do you take? Canister of water, blanket in our Bibles. What do you do? We wait upon God. And he walked out. And he thought, yes, this is weird. I'm surely never going to see this guy again. And that Friday night, he has a knock on his window. Yes, Pietro's again. And uh, he says, it was a black African night. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And he opened the window and he saw nothing. <laughs> he only saw his teeth. <laughs> and he told him, okay, we're going to go pray. And as they were going, heading to the mountain, he had the same question on his heart that I had. How do you spend the night in prayer? What do you say to God? And as they were walking, he grabs the hand of Petros and he says, Petros, how do you spend the night in prayer? And Petros tells him, you have a problem. And I realized, okay, maybe I have the same problem. And he said, what is it? He said, you are in a hurry and God is not. It was such a revelation for me. We many times think, you know, we need to be in such a hurry. Because there's people to be saved. There's things to be, that, to be done. And we learn this mentality of we've got to keep running the whole time. But if we don't wait upon God, God does not speak. And one of the spiritual disciplines is waiting upon God. And if God was in a hurry, he would just take that one out. He's not in a hurry. He's not confused. He knows what's going on. There's no plan B. There's only plan A. And we have to hear from God. And we have to quiet ourselves in prayer so that God can speak to us. And another thing is this burden of God. I, I didn't understand it. And I asked God, you know, Lord, what is this burden that he's speaking about? And Lord says, 
it is when I give you the will for certain people and for your own life. That is my burden for you and for others, and you pray into that. Praying into the will of God. As you can see here with David as well, he only prays into what God already spoke over his life. God said, I will build for you a dynasty of kings. Then he prays into that. There is no such thing as claim it and it's yours. Pray, believe, receive. It doesn't work that way. Because it's not in the will of God. If I, we are glad it doesn't work because there are certain people that don't like you and it would be as easy as, Lord, I pray that you kill that person. I believe it. And dead. Yeah. <laughs> it would not be so nice. Um, but we have this confidence. In 1 John 5 verse 14, John writes, we have this confidence that we know if we pray according to His will, He hears us. And when He hears us, we know that we have received what we pray for. That is why we need to wait upon God to speak. It was so cool for me at intercession on Monday as well, when God just reveals this message through Renier as well. Um, you have to have a word of God for your life. There's a word of God for everyone's life. He made us with a purpose and on purpose. And the only way we can find that purpose for our lives is if we wait upon God to speak into our lives. Otherwise, there's no purpose. There's an emptiness the whole time. Because you're not walking in what God called you to walk in. And there's also there's the Word of God and there's the Word of God for our lives. There's two of them. And always will our purpose fit into God's purpose. You see, like he said here to David, I will, I will give you a lasting line of, of kings. And Jesus was in the line of David and he's the king that reigns forever. It's in the will of God. And uh, as we can also see with this prayer of David, it's so nice that it is a balanced prayer. It's not just receiving. He doesn't pray for for physical things the whole time. He lifts up the name of God. He humbles himself in verse 18. He's transparent in verse 20. We'll see that just now. And there's really a balance in his prayer life. And if we look at the way we pray, we can actually see why we pray. If I continue to focus on me, myself, and I, I am a selfish person because I pray selfish prayers. That is how it works. If I struggle to lift up the name of God, then I'm either not fully surrendered to God or I don't have a revelation of God. Otherwise, it would come naturally. God, how wonderful you are. Lord of heaven's armies. You'll pray that way because you have a, re a revelation of who God is. And I also want, as you go through this week, and just examine the way you pray. Examine what you say, what comes naturally, and be transparent before God. And in this way, there's now a lot of things, you know, praying in the will of God for your lives, praying balanced prayers. But where, where does it all start? And it all starts with a hard position. And we're going to... I'm going to give you four points tonight that I really would help. I hope um, that helps you in prayer and position yourself for prayer. And the first is a hard position, and it doesn't really matter if our hands are on our foreheads or on our hearts or in the air or whether we kneel or stand. If this is not the position we are in our, in our hearts, then it doesn't, it doesn't help. If we can go to the next verse. This is where it all starts. 2 Samuel 7 verse 18, in that same prayer of David. Then King David went and sat before the Lord and prayed. Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And then in Isaiah 66, verse 2, God speaks and he says, But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. And to explain to you the setting of these two verses, in um, Samuel 7, David gets rest from all sides. There is no more war in Jerusalem. And he says, the first thing that hits is, you know, I live in this big cheddar palace. But the ark of God, the house of God is in a tent. I'm going to build a temple for God. And God responds and says, Every time when I've brought the people out of, out of Exodus, out of Egypt, nobody has ever said that they will build a house for me, but I've never complained. And we'll see also now that this is not about what David wants to do for God, because then God speaks, I will give you a dynasty of kings. I will bless the house of David forever, because you want to do this thing for me. But it's the heart that David has towards it. Because in Isaiah 66 verse 1, God says, Who is there that can build me a house? Who is there that can build a house for the Lord? The heavens is my throne and the earth is my footstool. The heavens of heavens cannot contain me and all these things my hands have made. So who can build a house for God? So it's not that David wanted to build a house for God. It's his heart towards God. That is why God blesses him. We read in James 4 verse 6 that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Many times we feel that we are praying against the wall. There's something resisting you in prayer. Maybe it's, it's God that's resisting you because you're prideful in your prayers. And I won't know if it is, but maybe you will. Maybe it is that 
God spoke something over your life and you just weren't willing to listen. He said, go do a certain thing and you still don't do, you, you don't do that thing. And that thing will remain there until you do it. And then God will speak again. And uh, we're also going to look now at this connection between transparency and humility. If we can go to that second slide just again. See then verse 18, it says, Then King David went and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family, that you have brought me this far? And then in verse 20, What more can I say to you? You know what your servant is really like, O sovereign Lord. And in the first verse, God is, God is saying, you know, you can see that David is humble. He's humble before God. But in verse 20, you also see that he can say, Lord, who am I? You know, you, you, you surely want to give me this line of kings because I'm such a great person because I don't sin before you, or because I've done such great things for you. No, David says, Lord, you know what I'm really like. You know the condition of my heart. You know that my mind wanders. You know that I sin before you, Lord. You know what your servant's really like. I can't say that you have to do these things to me based on what I've done, but it's based upon who God is. Look at what God has done. And we'll see also that whenever we are transparent before God, it will lead to humility. Because we are also sinful people. 1 John 1 verse 8 says that he who thinks he has no sin deceives himself and the truth is not in him. So we all have sin and we, when we come before God and say, Lord, this is my heart. This is my desires. I lack faith in this area, Lord. Help me. I struggle in this area. Then all of a sudden we humble ourselves before God. Because we reveal what we are really like. And I don't know why we struggle in this because God knows everything. He knows all that we are. He knows what we think. He knows our heart's condition. But still we struggle to be transparent before God. When we were fasting two weeks back, the Monday, yes, it was a difficult fast for me, until five o'clock came. One of our assignments that we had to do for our studies was to write a personal psalm for God. Transparent before Lord. And as I started writing it, the break just came. It was a lovely prayer, a fasting from there onwards. Um, I really would encourage you guys to, every two weeks maybe, maybe more, just be transparent before God. Set a time and say, this I will do every two weeks. Just go and humble yourself before God and put everything on the table. Lord, this is a thought I have. I know it's not biblical, but I feel this way. Lord, I struggle in this. I know I shouldn't, but I do. Lord, I think this way to, my, to the people at work, to my boss. I know I shouldn't, Lord, but this is who I am. You know what I'm really like. And that level of transparency that we have with God, that determines the depth of our relationship with God. If I want to have an intimate relationship with Robin, I have to be transparent with her. But she can decide if she wants to be transparent back. Not so with God. He's already chosen. I want to reveal myself to you. I want to give you all that I am. I sent my son to die for you. I want to reveal everything I am and everything I have to you. The only one that now determines the depth of the relationship is us. We can choose how transparent we want to be with God. How much of our hearts, our thoughts do we want to reveal to God? Because He wants to reveal everything to us. And if we have a lack of transparency, transparency and humility, it leads to spiritual deafness. Unable to hear the voice of God. Because, say for example, me and Robin, we had a fight. I want to go to God and say, Lord, why are we fighting? But in my head, she's already wrong. Yeah. I'm spirit-filled. I bless this girl, you know. Surely it's not me. And then I go to God wanting to hear why, Robin, what, why, what did she do wrong? Lord, why are we fighting? But I want to hear what she does wrong. But God wants to speak to my heart. I won't hear that. It's like going to someone and you put on earphones and you already choose the track that you want to listen to and then say, okay, speak to me. You just hear what you want to hear. You've already put that on. You have to be transparent. You have to be humble before God. Some people speak about, I know John Bevere spoke about this, about and you have to go into prayer neutral. But certain prayers, it's, it's impossible. I'll never be able to go to God in a neutral state to ask if I can marry Robin. Never. I want to marry her. That's my desire. I love her. So I'll never arrive at the place where I say, God, I'll never be able to do that. Because I love that girl. If you feel that way, don't marry so but what I can do is I can be humble and transparent before God and say, Lord, this is, this is my heart. This is my intentions. This is my reasons. Can I marry her? And God said, 
note twice because I had to work on certain things first. And then the third time, God, can I marry? Yes. And we're getting married. <laughs> um, we have to be transparent before God. And there's a difference between desires and idols. If something is an idol, if I really just want to get married, then maybe that, that can be an idol. But there's a desire also from God because God places the desire to get married in us. We learn that from marriage prep. It's not a bad thing. Girls who want to get married and people tell them, no, focus more on God. You won't have this desire to get married. That's wrong. God places that desire in us. It's from God. But it shouldn't be an idol. And that takes us to point number one. Position yourself for prayer. Humility and transparency positions you for intimacy. And if I can just ask the question again, how intimate would you say is your relationship with God? Just to bring it back home. How transparent, how humble are you before God? Because that would lead to a certain depth of intimacy with God. What does your intimacy with God look like? And it also, it doesn't work the other way around. It, you can't get to know God through scriptures and spending time in church and then you become humble and transparent. It's like that sermon Werner had about small Jerry. The guy that said, no, look, I am here. I can't speak to any of my friends. You know, I know the deep things of God. Nobody does. It's because you, you know a lot of things of scripture and of church and you've listened to a lot of sermons, but you're not humble and transparent. And that leads you to become critical. You become critical about everyone else. You think you can do it better. You know better. And you won't hear the voice of God because you are proud. You are proud. And God resists the proud. But if we have this this humility and this transparency, and it does take time, guys. It, it doesn't come natural to us. Especially the Afrikaners, you know, we We must be hardened. We must pretend like we've got it all together. So it will take time. But once we, we have this mentality, then do we go to God? And as Psalm 139, verse 23 says, Search me, God, know my thoughts. Try me and know my heart. See if there's any grievous ways in me and lead me along the way of everlasting life. Then you can pray that prayer because then God will speak and then you'll be able to hear. And then God says, this thought that you have, it's not biblical. And I say, I repent, Father, help me. Or this thing that you do, it's not right. I repent, Lord. I follow you. Then can we pray that prayer? And in this position, do we wait upon God to speak? And God speaks in many ways and through many people. And uh, we should not limit God in the way that we speak. And this takes us to the next point, as we read in 2 Samuel 7 verse 19. It reads, And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. Do you deal with everyone this way, O sovereign Lord? Because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known to your servant. So here we see God speaks. God speaks to his people. John 10 verse 3 to 4 says, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. A voice of the stranger they won't follow because they don't know the voice of a stranger. It's one of the coolest things of God for me. It's the fact that He speaks. He speaks to us. He doesn't leave us alone. He's not there far. He's a God near at hand. And He speaks and He gives direction constantly. And if you don't have a vision or direction from God, it's not because God's not speaking to you. It's because we're not listening. I found myself many times, Lord, yeah, why are you so quiet? Oh, that thing. God actually spoke. A while back, I just didn't do that. Because it wasn't humble and transparent. No, Lord, I can't say that. They will think something weird of me. You can't, I can't do that, Lord. How will I look? We have to be transparent and humble before God. And God speaks to all of us. And He has a, a word for all of our lives. And only when God speaks something of our lives, then do we claim it. We hold fast to that. Everything else, if God speaks a word of our life and we do not claim it, if we do not take it for ourselves, it's unbelief. It's unfaithful to God if He says, this is what I will do for you, and you don't believe that. We have to follow God. I know, yes, it, it, it's, it's a pretty cool promise that David gets, you know, a dynasty of kings, I will make your throne last forever. And he has to say, yes, Lord, I believe, do so for, for me. And what's so amazing for me is, the first three people in the Bible, Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob, which God says, your, your offspring will be as numerous as the sands of the seas and the stars of the heaven. Both, well, both four, four of their wives couldn't get children. They were barren. They were barren. God had to do that for them, but they hold fast to that promise. Yes, here and there they tried to do their own little thing. 
But they repented and they went back to God. Say, Lord, you have spoken this over my life. And they hold fast to the promise of God. And this promises of God not only keeps our prayers alive, but it also keeps our faith alive. Proverbs says, there is a lack of vision, people cast of restraint. Where are we headed? Where are we going? What has God spoken over your life? If you don't know, draw near to God. He speaks. And humble yourself before Him. It's a very encouraging message. God wants to speak words over our lives. He wants to give purpose. He wants to give a vision and He wants to give direction as to where He wants us to go. But it's here when God speaks that we start to put God in boxes. We have, we have, we have ever heard that someone says, no, this is the way God speaks to me. I hear what you say, but I'll just wait until God gives me a dream because that's how He normally speaks to me. Or someone says, no, I had this dream about you guys. No, it's fine. I'll, I'll wait till God gives me a vision or something. That's how He speaks to me. And it's not wrong. God speaks to certain people in certain ways. We should, should not just put God in a box because you won't be able. You'll be in the box alone. And the only voice you hear is your own voice because God doesn't fit in the box. And um, it actually happens, happens a lot and it happens to quite spiritual people as you'll see here what happened to Elijah in 1 Kings 18 verse 24. Just before I read the verse, I just want to explain the setting. Now, at this time, Ahab is king over Israel. And there's a drought in the land. And Jezebel is his wife. A very nasty woman. She, she kills all of the prophets of God, except Elijah, because she can't. If they try to kill her, the Spirit of God takes him away. But she's killed all of the other people, and they worship Baal. And God says to Elijah, okay, go and tell Ahab, go show yourself to him, and says, I will send rain. That's the only thing God says to him. Go tell him, I will send rain. So Elijah goes, gets to Ahab, and says, God will send rain, but, check this also, gather all of the people, gather all of the people. We're going to Mount Carmel. And call all of the prophets of Baal, 450 of them. You build an altar to God, and I will build an altar to God. And then you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of my God. And that's where we get to this first verse. And it says, And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, He is God. And the people answered, It is well spoken. God never said he should do that, but he did it nonetheless. And now he says to the prophets of Baal, okay, you go first. And they jump around the altar, cutting themselves, doing a lot of weird stuff. And Elijah is very cocky. He mocks them. He says, maybe your God is in the bathroom. Maybe he went to relieve himself. Maybe he's sleeping on holiday. I don't know. But I'm not seeing something happen here. I don't know where your God's at, but he's not here. It's my turn now. And he calls upon the name of the Lord, and the Lord responds. He comes down with fire, devours Everything. Everything that's there. The altar, the ground, and the water around it. And uh, the rain comes and they go to Jezreel. Ahab is on his way to the city and Elijah also follows. This is actually a cool picture in scripture. It says the, land, the, the hand of the Lord was upon him. He took his outer garment, tucked it into his belt, and he ran past the horses. Faster than them. <laughs> you just see this little dust line in the desert. And uh, he gets to the city and he thinks, the, the reason he's going to the city because he thinks nobody wants to kill him anymore. Surely the people has repented. They've seen this magic of God. Surely there will be banners up. Everybody repented and they're going to welcome Elijah. Come in. Yes, come have a seat. This is the temple again. Restore everything to God. Not Jezebel. She sends word. I will kill you by this time tomorrow. Elijah kind of quits the ministry. He tells his servant, okay, you can go. He goes into the desert and says, Lord, it's enough for me now. I can die. It's done. And he goes to the mountain of God, and God reveals the following to him in 1 Kings 19 verse 11. And he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. This is what God said to Elijah. And behold, the Lord passed by, in a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. The word of God for Elijah's life. Afterwards, he also says to Elijah, Okay, now, after you have received my word, go and anoint two people to be king, one over Israel, one over Judah, and call Elisha to be your servant. And he taught Elijah two lessons. Firstly, not to box God in the way that he speaks. Because you see, Elijah, the one who answers by fire, that is God. But God comes now, not in the fire, in the sound of a low whisper. The word of my life. The word that I have over your life. The word that I have over Israel's life. That is what brings change. 
It's not the miraculous power of God. We see it in the life of Jesus as well. He feeds a million peoples. What do they do? Lord, give us this bread always. He says, no, don't search for the bread. Don't search for the things that I can do. Come to me and the word that I have for your lives. That is what gives life. That is what gives life. And what is so shocking to me is, in this passage where God says, don't, don't box the way that I speak, we have boxed the way that God speaks. Many people now wait upon the, the low whisper, the sound of a low whisper from God. Wait upon the still small voice of God. And what's funny is, this is the only place in Scripture where God speaks in this way. It's the only place. But now everybody's waiting upon the still small voice. But the Holy Spirit speaks to us. We are led by the Spirit, for we are the sons of God. That's what Scripture says. The Holy Spirit speaks to our spirits. And there's numerous other ways. God speaks through a whirlwind in, in Job 38. He announces his, his appearance by thunder in uh, Exodus 19. Psalm 77 speaks in thunder and a whirlwind. Revelations 4. Thunder and whirlwind produces from the throne of God. Exodus 3 speaks through Moses uh, by a burning bush. Fire. There's a lot of ways in which God speaks. To Jacob in Genesis 28. Reveals to him by a dream. Acts 10 speaks to Peter through a vision. Through the prophets of old and through the prophets that we have now. That's the way God speaks. There's many ways in which he speaks. We shouldn't box the way that God speaks. Um, and that takes us to point number two. Position yourself to hear from God unboxed. I don't know how to say it better. Sorry. Um, and we mustn't limit God in the way that he speaks or in the time that he speaks. Because we many times do that as well. Lord, I have an hour in the morning. Then you can speak to me. And when I'm in, at intercession and in church. We, we can't do that. And the reason why we do that is because we either have no surrender to God or no revelation of God. Because if I'm not surrendered to God, then I say, okay, Lord, you can speak to me this hour. And you can speak to me this hour in a church. That is no surrender. That's not laying your life down for God. Or no revelation. God is a mighty God. And if you think maybe he's small, then you can say, okay, only this year and year you can speak to me. But God is amazing, guys. The heavens of heavens cannot contain him. We cannot limit the time and in the way in which he speaks. He can do as he pleases. And But what's also nice is because now many times you ask yourself, how do we know it's God speaking? You know, how do, we, how do you know it is God that says this thing over my life? Luckily, there is one box that God speaks in, and that's the box God has made, and that is the word of God. He doesn't speak outside of the Word of God. He speaks through people, but it's never contrary to the Word of God. It always aligns with Scripture. If God says he's, He wants people to be saved, then someone says, no, don't go there. God doesn't want that people to be saved. Obviously, that is not from God. If someone says, no, God does not love you because you do this, this, and this, you can stand on Scripture and says, He gave Himself for me while I was still a sinner. He does love me. God, God made the box, and that is the Word of God. We see in 2 Samuel 7 verse 27, David says, O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, I have been bold enough to pray this prayer to you because you have revealed all this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. There God speaks his personal word over David's life. And then in verse 28, For you are God, sovereign Lord, your words are truth. In general, the words of God are, is truth. The word of God is truth. And... Uh, if we see this again as spiritual disciplines, as, as ends in themselves, the Word of God and prayer will never be in one box. It will always be separate. Read the Word of God or you have a Word of God for your life, but that is separate in your prayer life. That is separate. You don't pray into the Word of God, neither the will of God for your life. And we have to do that. There's a saying that says that the Word of God is powerful, prayer is powerful, but when we merge the two, it's a weapon of mass destruction. Then things get crazy on the enemy side. Then we start advancing in the kingdom. And uh, as we saw also now, we have to wait upon the personal word of God for our lives. He has a personal word for each one of us, but also in general the word of God. We have to pray into the word of God and we have to know the word of God. Um, and maybe it doesn't come naturally, this two-way conversation with God. It's maybe a foreign concept, you know, you speak, then God speaks. To foster that habit, prayerfully read scripture. As you read through the scriptures and God reveals something, you stop immediately, pray through it and read on. You speak, God speaks. You speak, God speaks. I mean, it also takes time. You see, you'll read through it and then, oh, I forgot to pray, and then go through it again. But foster this constantly and keep this in front of you to gain this habit. And also, pray through it as you go through it. Then pray it into your own lives, and then pray it out to others. 
For example, one of my favorite prayers in Scripture is Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 20, where Paul prays for the Ephesians for spiritual strength. He says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father in heaven, through whom every family on heaven and on earth is named, that he may grant you, according to the glorious riches, to be strengthened through his Spirit in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength, to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the height and the length and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's an amazing prayer. Paul has never prayed for anyone for, for physical things. He always prayed for them for spiritual things, that they might know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Never, Lord, give them this, give them that, that they might know you. And then you prayed over your own life, Lord, thank you that you've already, by the glory of your riches, granted me to be strengthened so that Christ may dwell in my, my heart through faith. I know him, Lord. But now, Father, I also pray for strength that I might know your love for me, that I may be full with all your fullness. And then you prayed out to others. It's really amazing, guys. When we start to pray in the word of God, that takes us to point number three. Position yourself in God's word. I wanted to make a little two there on top of the word, but I'm not very good with PowerPoint. So just know that it is the word of God for your life and the word of God in general that we should position ourselves into. And then as we have this vision of God for our lives and the general vision of God that comes through Scripture, it fosters a dependency upon the Holy Spirit because we can't do it by ourselves. When we read the word of God and Jesus says, if you believe in me, you will do greater things than I have done. And you say, oh, Holy Spirit, help. Because I can't. You have to help me. And this dependency then that you have upon the Holy Spirit, it fosters communion with the Holy Spirit. As you go through your day and you know, God has called me to do this. And you arrive at that position and you're like, Holy Spirit, please help me. What must I do here? Give me seed to sow in this situation. And then he helps you. And this also helps us grow in revelation of God. As God speaks certain things over our lives and we pray into that and we see it happening. We see that God is alive. He's doing certain things in our lives. He's doing things around us. I remember the coolest thing for me was when we were in intercession last year and we prayed for the older generation to come into our church. And here we stand. And here they are. In our church. There was, there was none. Now we have both. We have youth and we have the older generation. Because God is faithful. And we pray into His will. And also, if you take scriptures like Isaiah 40, Isaiah 42, Psalm 104, Praises that just lift up the name of God. And you begin to pray into that. You begin to grow in revelation of God. Because it's seed that's sown in your life and you water it through prayer. And you begin to be like, like Jacob. God revealed himself to Jacob in, in Genesis 28. And he stood up and I, I just wish I could see his face. Surely God is in this place. How amazing is this place? And he starts worshiping God. That's what happens if we pray into scripture in our prayer lives. And in the life around us. Surely God is working through my life. He, he's called me to do this. He's spoken this word over my life. And I've been praying into that. And see it's happening now. The word of God. And this also grows with time guys. And it also keeps our prayer lives from being one turned. You know. Lord I pray that I would, I, would, I would love Robin. That we would have a happy marriage. But now you go through scriptures. And you see. Oh I must lay my life down for her. Sure. Lord. I pray, help me. This doesn't come easy. Maskinas like trip. But help me, Lord. Uh, this is not the easiest thing. I want to lay my life down for her, Father, by your word alone. And once we have entered this position, spiritually, we should never leave it. We should stay in this position of prayer, praying in the word of God for our lives, humbling ourselves before God. And that takes us to the next scripture in Ephesians 6, verse 17 and 18. Just put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray without ceasing. And then just to explain these verses in Ephesians, from Ephesians 6 verse 10 onwards till verse 17, Paul speaks about the armor of God. And I, for many years, have, have boxed it. You know, it's in a certain box. At 17, it stops. He speaks about the arm of God, then he stops, and then he says something about prayer. Until God just revealed this to me, it was so amazing. He says, put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
take the word of God. Now, pray in the Spirit at all times. With the sword of the Spirit, now pray. Praying in the Spirit is not only praying in tongues. It's praying in the will and in the word of God. Yet says it in all times and on every occasion. And it's so cool for me that the whole of the army is actually mainly a stance in prayer that we take. Put on a helmet as your salvation. I know, Lord, that I am saved through Christ and through Christ alone. Then I put on the breastplate of, light, of righteousness, which is mine in Christ, because he alone died for my sins. And that gives me faith, the seal of faith, to stand against the enemies. And I put the gospel on my feet, so if God says to me in prayer that I should go out, that I go out. And I have truth around my waist, that is transparency before God. Lord, I will speak the truth to you. And the sword of the Spirit, now I stand with the armor of God, waging war in the heavenlies through prayer. Because many times I have, Lord, I put on the armor of God for today. When, when I'm finished praying, I, I usually had to put on the armor of God. I never know why I did it. But then I put on the armor of God, and then I go watch a movie with, with my battle kit. I'm clothed in the armor of God, I'm going to watch a movie. After I've been praying. I never know why. But it just stands in prayer. Put on the armor of God. Prepare yourself for battle. Now wage war in prayer. It's amazing, guys. And then when do we need to pray? This is also so cool for me. As the NLT says, pray at all times and on every occasion. When you drive to work, pray for the people at work. When you drive to the gym, pray for the people at gym. When you drive to the church, pray for spiritual strength for the church. And now you'll see that you begin to know scripture as well because everywhere you go, you pray certain split, um, scriptures over those people. Um, and what I also like is this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5 or 17. Pray without ceasing. I always make this joke about what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you should always speak in a way that sounds like a prayer. It's like, for instance, if my brother tells me at work, Yes, I will do in the glory of Jesus. Amen. Or, Vian, are you going to make us some coffee? Yes, I will. And we thank God for this coffee in Jesus' name. <laughs> You don't have to speak that way. People will think you're weird. But we should always pray. And something that sums it up quite nicely is this quote by Smith Wigglesworth. It says, I don't often spend more than an half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than an half an hour without praying. Now, first of all, what I'm not saying is that we should not pray lengthy prayers. We should pray lengthy prayers. And that is, in the, I, don't, I don't think Lisa cannot pray lengthy prayers. And that will be very unnatural for her. Um, yeah, just a, <laughs> just a joke. But we should always pray on every occasion and at all times. And you'll also see that this is how we begin to learn the word of God for our lives. Because now you're dri driving to a wedding. Now you pray wedding scriptures over them. And now I'm like, what, what's wedding scriptures? You'll know then because you'll have them ready before the time because you want to pray it over those people. Or when you go to work, scripture that goes about God wants to save the lost. Then you pray that over them. Not only do you begin to memorize scripture, but you begin to topically memorize scripture. Because you know that when I drive to church, I pray for spiritual, for spiritual strength. Also for new people, that we might become one when we're driving to a wedding, wedding scriptures. Sounds weird to say wedding scriptures, but wedding scriptures. And uh, as we go through the day, also keeping this word of God for your lives ever before you. And praying into that. Praying into what God has called you. And then act upon what he shows you. Also for the people around you. If you see someone going through a difficult time, pray for that person. But also ask God, I pray for this person. I, I pray that you might help them, sustain them. But what can I do? What can I do as well? And then you move out in faith. That takes us to the last slide. Always remain positioned for prayer. And please know, guys, the enemy does not want us to enter this position. He likes to battle Christians that doesn't have their armor on or only has it on when he's watching a movie. He doesn't want us to enter this position. This is how we take ground for the kingdom of God. And the only weapon in the armor of God, the word of God, gets sharpened and used most there in prayer. That's how, we, that's how we do it. When you pray for people at work, you first break down the walls of the enemy around the, that specific people person's life. Say, say you want someone to come to salvation. Lord, I pray that you might know him. Spiritual strength. You pray that over that person and then you go once the walls are broken down and you say, this is what God has laid in my heart for you. First break down the walls, then go blunder the city. And guys, this will flow through every area of your life. 
you'll know the scripture for your own life topically. You'll pray it in your own life topically and out to other people's. This already begins just to flood through your life. Scripture, intimacy with God. We begin to say every day, your presence is like heaven to me because we know it. Because we've, we've been there. We are there constantly. We never leave this position. And guys, we have to pray. We really have to pray. This is, this, is the, this is the fuel in the tanks. If we come to church and we never pray, we can just as well stay at home. This is the one thing we should do. We should seek God in prayer and His Word for our lives. Otherwise, we, we shoot shotgun shots. What else? And maybe one hits in things we do. We have to be specific. And also, guys, this really builds deep and lasting character into our lives. Because prayer is usually when no one sees. No one sees you praying. No one sees you spending days on your knees for them. Seeing, wanting them to see, come to Christ. Or for church, or for anything in life. Only at intercession and before church do we pray together. This really builds character into our lives. No one sees. Only God sees. Storing up spiritual treasures in heaven. Now after speaking so much about prayer, guys, just to bind it up, we should be humble and transparent before God. And it leads to an intimate position. And as we wait upon God to speak, when He speaks that word of our lives, we should remain in that and constantly pray. Let's stand and pray, guys. Thank you, Father, that we can come before you tonight, Lord, knowing, Lord, that this is an inviting message from you, Father, saying, Lord, that you have a word that you want to speak over our lives. You want to speak to us, Father. You want to have deep and meaningful intimacy with us, Father, building a lasting relationship, Lord. And you are inviting every one of us into that place, Lord. And after you have spoken words of our lives, Father, and after we come to know you intimately, Father, and remain in that position, Father, you have called us, Lord, to wage a war against the enemy, Father. And you have given us everything we need, Lord. Your word, Father, the people around us, Father, fellowship to serve your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work that you do in our lives. We are nothing without you, Lord. And thank you, Father, that through everything that we've done, Father. We move away so easily, Father. You still want to call us near, Father, and you want to speak purpose over our lives. You want to use us, Father. There's not, not a single person created without purpose, Lord. And it's so sad to see, Lord, people spending their whole lives never hearing the word that you have for them, Lord. And you want to say, I called you by name. I know you. I have a purpose for your life. And I want to speak it over you. And I want to equip you to do the will of God. Thank you, Father. You are, you are so good, Lord. Your presence is truly like heaven to us, Lord. We want to be at no other place. We want to know you, Lord. We want to know you.